Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Spirit normal, and I did not think about it when I set things up this way. But uh, we have another Bigfoot themed show, thus, why on people that listen to the show on iTunes when they find us, they can see our other alternate logo, which has a Bigfoot instead of a skull as our usual logo. So, we're on this kind of cryptid, cryptid uh, trip here for a little bit, yeah. So we have a guest on the show that reached out to us about coming on, and that's uh, uh, Mike uh, Famalant. And uh, Mike, how's it going, guys? Good. Um, welcome to Conspiracy Normal, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So uh, you run a Bigfoot hunting group, as I understand it, Sussex County Bigfoot. Is that correct? Yeah. It's uh, and and. No offense, but I do like to correct people when they say hunting. It's actually, I, I wouldn't consider it hunting at all because uh, we're not trying to capture or kill one of these things. We are just trying yeah. to investigate and find out what they really are. More of a research group. Yeah, I, I like that, actually. That's a good, That's a very good point. Hunting does have a kind of a negative connotation to it. Yeah, we we never bring guns out. Like that's one of my big rules is we don't we don't carry weapons, um, well, guns anyway. Yeah. So, how did you get into all this? Uh, got involved in like the the field of Bigfoot research. Well, um, it's an interesting story. I was uh, growing up. I was never outdoorsy. Um, I like to play video games. Um, very inside uh, person. And then uh, I moved to Florida uh, with my ex fiance. And I, I worked at this beach resort. It was like the best job I've ever had. And I was watching um, this show, Finding Bigfoot on TV. And I I went online because I, I was quite bored. And I went on their website and I saw that they had uh, upcoming, you know, an expedition in Florida, which is a public expedition that, you know, you can pay a significant amount of money to go on. And you can go out uh, with these Bigfoot researchers so I, I was like to my, my ex fiance, I was like, Hey, do you want to go on a vacation, go camping, get outside a little bit? And that was all good to go. So 
fast forward a little bit. Oh, the tickets were non-refundable. So the fast forward a little bit and my fiance is now my ex-fiance and I had moved up to a different location, Florida and Tampa. And the trip was coming up kind of quick and I bought two tickets and they're non-refundable. So I wasn't going to miss out on it. So I, I wanted to try to find somebody that would go with me. So uh, I had a new job working on the ambulance for the city and my partner uh, is like the first time we worked together, I believe the first or second time. And I'm like, Hey, you know, um, not for nothing, but I bought these expensive tickets and I need somebody to go with me up to North Florida to look for Bigfoot. <laughs> and to my surprise, <laughs> that can really make or break you in an organization. Let me tell you, like if, yeah. <laughs> if you ask the wrong person, but uh, thankfully, uh, taking a risk. Now, Jimmy, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, my best friend Jimmy. Now he's like, you know, I've always wanted to do that. So instant, you know, instant. Uh, it worked out well. We went up to North Florida, and the expedition itself was uh, interesting. We set up camp. Um, there, there was like sixty people there. And we set up camp um, kind of away from everybody because we didn't, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't know how weird these people were going to be. And it turns out they, some of them were extremely interesting individuals, but so we set up camp away and had our own little kind of thing going on. We're just hung out with ourselves. Uh, so the whole expedition goes by. It was a three night expedition. Uh, Nights one and nights two go by. You know, we went to some really cool places, didn't have any activity whatsoever. Uh, we met some really great witnesses, um, those people that are into the uh, uh, Bigfoot, uh, the show Finding Bigfoot. Uh, we were at the Bridges property and we were doing, uh, you know, all the, the inves- investigations and stuff there and talking with them. So anyways, uh, it was the last night and nothing had happened. Um, so me and my buddy, Jimmy, we were kind of had like a little campfire by ourselves and we went up, we were watching a meteor shower. I'm really big into astronomy, uh, and in the city, uh, you definitely can't see any stars or anything like that clear. So you could see like from where we were, you could see like the whole Milky way. It was beautiful. And there was a meteor shower that night. So I'm like, ah, last night, let's stay up a little bit. It was like, like three or four o'clock in the morning and we're just sitting there talking and it was great. It was really, it was really just a special kind of position to be in. That's something that I've never done before. And it's just really cool. So, you know, we're sitting there just talking and, and whatever. And then we hear a tree knock, which is, uh, for those of you that aren't into big footing, um, a tree knock is a possible, way of communication uh between either another bigfoot or another group of bigfoots or um as a kind of like warning that we're in the area uh and i will say um i'm not an expert in anything that i say on this uh podcast um i'd like to consider myself um you know a seasoned researcher i think i've been out in the woods enough and i I know a lot of good techniques and I've had some really good activity, but when it comes to uh, Bigfoot itself, nobody is an expert. Nobody knows anything about these creatures other than what they've seen firsthand. So that's, that's, that's how I, am going to go about um, talking today is because, you know, the things that I've seen and that's why I believe what I believe. Yeah. 
That makes so, sense. So we, we heard this tree knock, um, and I didn't think much of it. I'm like, you know, I paid a lot of money to, for this expedition, and I was thinking that since nothing happened, no Bigfoot activity, that the some people were in the woods and they were doing tree knocks to, you know, that's that's why people kept coming back on these things, and that's how they make money is, you know, getting these people interested in, oh, my God, did you hear that tree knock the next morning and, all you know, all that stuff. Um, so, so I'm like, ah, yeah, okay, that's cool. And then we heard another tree knock from like the complete opposite, opposite direction. And it was far away, but it was, you know, very pronounced, very clear. And I was like, wow, these people are like, it was like five minutes apart. I'm like, wow, these people are pretty good. They'd really want, you know, there to be some Bigfoot activity. And that's, you know, that's, I was like, wow, okay, cool. And then we were sitting maybe 20 minutes later, 15 or 20 minutes later, we were still sitting watching the meteor shower around this, you know, uh, campfire. And you heard come through the trees. Um, I, I can't think the best way to describe it. It just, it, it sounded like a big, like a baseball coming through the trees and you hear it come through the canopy and it landed. There was a, a about a fist sized rock that landed uh, about 10 feet away from us. And I got scared. Now, this was my first time ever camping. So I was like, ah, crap. You know, I'm not okay with this. Something's, something's throwing rocks at us. I'm like, these people really have, you know, some big kahunis if they're, you know, doing tree knocks and throwing rocks at us and landing them close. I was like, oh, man, people are crazy. You thought this was just so, all a big setup. Yeah, 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 because I was like, you know, nothing happened. I paid, a, you know, a lot of money. I worked a lot of hours at the beach resort to take this trip. And so anyways, you know, the rock lands and I'm like, oh, you know, that's that's a little not cool. And it, you were sitting there and I didn't think too much of it. But then another one, you hear the same exact thing that lands in almost the same spot come through the trees, about the same size, a little smaller. And... I got scared because keep in mind, this was my first time camping ever. <clears throat> I've never been ever in the woods really before this. So here I am in a spot that I don't know, pitch black. It's, and there's, there's rocks coming through the trees. And finally I was like, Oh, well maybe this isn't a person. Maybe it actually is Bigfoot. So my buddy, Jimmy, he was like, uh, well, if you want to sleep in the car, and before you could even get that sentence completed, I had all of my contents from my tent and I was running to the vehicle uh, and I was just going to sleep in there. Cause I was like, I'm, you know, that's good. This is not for me. You know, I tried it. Good try. Didn't work. But then he talked some sense in me. He was like, Mike, this is why, this is why we're out here. This is something that Bigfoots are, you know, are reported to do. Why don't you, why, why don't we just enjoy it and, and see if we can, you know, this could be legit. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever. So over the course of the next, I don't know, 20 minutes, I think there were a total of five or six rocks, uh, this size or a little bit smaller that landed anywhere from five to 15 feet away from us. And I still have those rocks. I actually collected them. They're still, um, in my little Bigfoot display. So, it, so anyway, so that was cool. And then, my buddy's like, after the, after the last one, the, the final one that got thrown, my buddy's like, I think I'm going to throw a rock back at it. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a good idea. Like, we're talking either it's a Bigfoot and you're going to piss a Bigfoot off 
or it's a person and you might hit a person like, like where this is a lose, lose situation. And so he picks up one of these rocks that were thrown. He does it anyway. Uh, he picks up one of these rocks and throws it back in the direction that they were coming from. All these rocks came from the same direction. Uh, so we threw the rock back and at that, it was, it was like five seconds later when I knew it wasn't a person and I, I knew it was, I wasn't going to say I knew it was a Bigfoot. I knew it was something else because a, I'd say maybe like a, a basketball or a, a large softball size rock came and landed like five feet from us. And you could hear that one go through the trees, obviously. Really? That big, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, Because I so, always envision when this thing. happens, like small rocks are being thrown. Yeah, no, these, these guys had some weight behind them. Um, that, uh, that large rock, that last one was, I, I mean, I could pick it up, but, you know, it, it, the weight behind it, I couldn't throw it more than five feet if I, if I, if I tried to throw it. Uh, that's, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a scrawny guy. That's, that's the, just how heavy it was. So, you know, the next morning we tell these people what happened. They're like, oh yeah, we heard the tree knocks. And then we explained the rock throws and stuff. And we did some like very like, uh, rough estimates about like where these rocks were coming from and how far and the way the terrain was the way the, where the position that we were located uh, the rocks, the closest it could have, the, the objects throwing the rocks could have been just because of the trajectory coming down through the trees and the, and the topography and the landscape of where we were, uh, was like minimum, I'd say a hundred, 125 yards away. So, you know, then, then you start thinking what can throw rocks that far? I mean, no, I, I could, I mean, I, I can't, and, and with accuracy too, they all landed five to 15 feet from us. So it's, it's like, I know I can't throw a rock. I can't throw a baseball that far, let alone, and I have a good arm, let alone a rock. And with that precision, it's, I mean, you're talking like crazy, crazy. So unless Nolan Ryan was out in the woods somewhere, you know, I don't think that that was within human range. So that got me really thinking, went home and I, I started really thinking what could have thrown those rocks. And like, there's got to be something out there that's explainable that, that, you know, uh, that's doing this. And then I looked, I started reading reports and uh, sightings and, and witnesses. I, I got involved with the BFRO. I started speaking to witnesses and, you know, it, it's, it's, it just it it turned into it turned from like a passion into an addiction and i've been going ever since it's just it's so it's so awesome but anyways that's how i got that's how i got into bigfooting yeah so that's a question that i actually really wanted to ask you um as someone that does this on a fairly regular basis this seems to be and we we actually in our last episode we talked to somebody that that also goes out and kind of does this as well but this seems to be like a new kind of almost, I don't know, for lack of a better term, outdoor sport now is this kind of looking for looking for Bigfoot. It, you describe it as, as like kind of like you, you get a rush from it and like an excitement. I mean, is that is that something that's kind of all across the board for a lot of you guys that go out there and do this? Well, you have two. Well, the, you know, yeah, I, 
you have three types of people that go out and look for Bigfoot. And you have the serious researchers, which I'd like to classify myself as one of them, that, that are really going out looking for uh, patterns and patterns lead to, to finding evidence and finding evidence leads to proving the existence that these creatures exist. Then you have the kind of amateur, uh, let's go out every once in a while with a couple friends and do a couple howls in the woods type of thing. And not, nothing like serious. I don't bring cameras and stuff like that, but, and then you have like the people that do hoaxes, which is a whole nother thing. Um, I, you know, it's interesting. That's a, that's a, that's an interesting way you said it. It's like a, like a new outdoor sport. I think it's become extremely popular because of the, especially within the last couple of years, because of the, you know, the, um, television series that have been out about it. And just the fact that there's, you know, there's more people that are coming forward because it's so widely known on TV and, 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 you know, socially, there's more people coming out to express their, their encounters that maybe have not wanted to in the past. Um, but now that they see some people are actually into it, then, you know, I've gotten a lot of people messaging me and, and calling me saying, I never told anybody this, but this is what happened. And I yeah. think that's really cool. Yeah. You're getting a lot um, of that. And the, the, the Bigfoot stuff right now is extremely huge. I mean, it's 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 yeah. big, and I, I mean, is I forgive me for this because I don't really know. I mean, is that show Finding Bigfoot is it even still on the air? Are they no, still? No, they. Uh, that's what I thought. Yeah. They, you know, they did. Uh, they they throw on some repeats every once in a while. Um, you know, I can't knock the show because that's what got me into Bigfooting. Um, but you know, every everybody has, I guess, their different way of doing things. Um, but uh, just going back for a second, though, I think um, it's interesting because as, as you, you mentioned the Bigfoot community and the people that go out, like it's interesting because there's different views on like what a Bigfoot is and how one would go about best researching a Bigfoot. And it's you have somebody that's not into it looking in and it's unfortunate because, you know, like I said, nobody's an expert. Nobody knows what this is, but you, you have somebody looking in from it and, and kind of diving into the information and researching different things. And you see there's, there's people that believe that it's one thing and other people that feel it's something else. And, and then people look at these evidence that is supposedly a Bigfoot and they're like, Holy crap, this is, this is, you know, a picture with 37 circles on it. Like what? I, I don't know what that, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate because if every, it, it's unfortunate because there's no, that kind of brings the, brings out the, the, I don't know how you would say it. The, uh, I don't want to use the word crazy, but I guess I will. It's the, the different aspect of it. There's no set thing of how to go out and research. Like if, if you were going out to research, you know, endangered species, you would know how to do it with Bigfooting. There's so many different theories. You can't even, I mean, that's why people, I don't think really take this stuff seriously is because there's so many theories about what a Bigfoot is. Yeah. And that's a shame because, you know, I, I think it's an actual physical thing like an animal or a person or a mix. And, uh, you know, I think they, they live here and they roam the woods, they eat animals and they leave footprints. I think it's a real thing, but there's other people that, you know, have a different, um, theory on it, which is cool. I don't knock anybody's theories. So um, you don't buy the whole supernatural Bigfoot 
aspect. Which yeah, I'll which no, I'll be honest, um, that's where I that's where I lean. Is is that okay? No, and, and that's cool. We can have a good discussion discussion about that. Um, so you're saying supernatural? Do do you mean like describe what that means to you? Well, I mean something that is not. I think something that is more of a discarnate kind of entity than something that is a real physical flesh and blood creature. Just non-material. Yeah, non-material. And, and more of a, a a haunting. But 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 when I say that, immediately what comes to mind is that the fact that there is that there can be physical aspects of the phenomenon. Um for for instance with the whole stone throwing phenomenon and all this the this stuff that happens as you described the it seems to me that there when these kind of things happen in poltergeist cases as well it's just that when they're in a house it's a poltergeist when it's in the wilderness or the the forest or whatever it's a uh, it's a it's a bigfoot so there there's there's almost like some there, there's some overlap there's a lot to this um and there's a few of our shows that, that that you could go back and listen to where we've talked about this, but there there seems to be a, there there seems to be some overlap with Bigfoot and some other aspects of the of the supernatural. Okay, I I can I can almost get on board with that, and and I'd like to say anybody that has an opinion on this is you know I respect that I respect everybody's opinion. And that's just the fact that they have a, have an opinion. There's people that have no idea and don't don't know, you know, what they believe. And I think that you know, you really look into it and research and really, you know, if you feel that a Bigfoot, because of the what you've found out or know or or whatever, if you believe that they're supernatural or if they're connected to the aliens or UFOs or or what have you go with that route and stick to it because like I said, nobody's a science, nobody knows, nobody is an expert on yeah. these things. It could be anything. Um, and I respect that, that train of thought. I really do. Um, I'm, to I'm, me though. And well, go ahead no, with your thought. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm open to the physical. I'm open to the flesh and blood creature. Um, I think when you look at the Pacific Northwest and the vastness of the area out there, it's very possible I mean, because Bigfoot to me is something that is much more likely than, say, like the Loch Ness monster, where people say, "Oh, it's a it's a lost dinosaur." There's not many two millions of years between us and something like Bigfoot. Like Bigfoot is plausible. I mean, it's a mammal. It's a primate. It it possibility that you it may even be some other kind of hominid species. I'm willing to I'm willing to go there. Especially, like I said, with the Pacific Northwest and that whole area, that something like that could exist, and that possibility that they could, they could even bury their dead, and that may be why you don't see the skeletons. And then, just as others have pointed out, I mean, you don't really see a lot of skeletons in the wild. Um, so, like so I said, I'm willing to do that. Um, and the Patterson Gimlin film is very compelling to me. Um, I. I, I I can I can buy that. I don't think that's a person in a suit. That's been people trying to say that that's a person in a suit. I mean, that's been debunked so many times. It's not even funny. But 
As you move further east in the United States, the stories get weirder and weirder, like the Stan Gordon stuff from Pennsylvania, and it became like this association with UFOs and uh, that that he talks about, and just other. I mean, I don't if you've ever read um, Jerome Clark's book on like physical phenomenon unexplained. Um, that's a that's a very good book to read because he talks about how essentially. The, the description that he gives in that is like in the western part you know the by the idea of a physical creature that lives breathes poops everything that it does but as you move further east the way he describes it you go into the goblin universe and it's just the the stories that are told about bigfoot can be extremely strange especially in the eastern part of the united states so I think we may be de- you, you, we could be dealing, and I'm definitely open to this. I think we could be dealing with with both. That's that's interesting. Um, I've never really given it any thought. The further you move east, the kind of more out there the stories are. Um, you know, I the reason the re- I, I I'm, I'm not going to debate any anybody's theory because that's not my place to my place to do it I, I, you know if anything i'm going to support your theory as long as you show evidence of it you know as long as you show some reason why you believe that but what i can do is just support my theory and why i believe the way i do is it's simply um i said before you look you find patterns once you find patterns then you find evidence. And once you find evidence, then there's that jump to, you know, ex- exploring what this thing actually is. And the, the patterns and the evidence that I have found, um, among others, um, with um, Dr. Meldrum and the, the foot structures and uh, certain things like that, there is a very common thing uh, that every Bigfoot has, or most, you know, most every Bigfoot would have is like a mid-tarsal break and, you know, five splayed toes and a tight, tight, uh, tightrope walk pattern. That's common throughout the United States and other places, Canada, wherever. The, um, the other thing is you look at uh, more, more so patterns, um, like I do, I'm in New Jersey, so I'm, uh, you know, pretty far, uh, East over there, but the, I did a lot of research. Um, and I actually, I, uh, with the, with the help of one of the professors, I forget his name, uh, that I listened to speak a long time ago. Um, you know, Bigfoot in New Jersey have a pattern. I can predict using, using the time of year and what year it is, where a Bigfoot's going to be in the state of New Jersey. Hmm. And that's because during the certain season and the certain year, every third year, sightings increase by 70%. So that, that would lead me to believe that it's, it's an actual physical thing. And, you know, I would, because of that information that I've, I've researched and found out, I w- it would lead me to believe that they're a nomadic species. So I took all of the sightings in New Jersey and color coded the sightings with what season and year and you can really look, and it's it's amazing that every third year, the Bigfoot sightings in a certain part of the state will increase by 70%. 
you follow that around yeah. and you can actually see the Bigfoot migrating counterclockwise or I, I say migrating uh, their nomadic activities go counterclockwise throughout the state and they're in the same spot every third year. So that is interesting. I mean, it that just that fact right there would lead me to believe that it's more of a actual creature, more of a nomadic type thing. And I, I say nomadic because you put kind of another layer on top of the sightings and everything like that. Plants rejuvenate. When you strip an adult plant down to nothing, it rejuvenates in three years. So that's, that would lead me to believe that the Bigfoot are going to be where the, where the freshest, newest fruit is and, and, you know, stuff that they eat. So it's really, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of actual research behind, you know, why I believe what I, I believe. I, you know, I, I will say I did have a connection. Uh, we went Bigfooting in North Jersey here. Uh, we were filming for the show and I, we, um, it's actually on the, on the episode. But I saw, uh, I can't describe it other than an unidentified flying object. I have no idea what it was. Um, crazy wasn't, you know, I'm not going to go into what it wasn't, but it was something that I couldn't describe. And then, you know, later that night, maybe 45 minutes later or so, we had one of the best howls that we've ever recorded. So that, you know, there's a stretch there, too. I don't know uh, if it's a coincidence. Yeah. I don't know if I was going crazy. I don't, I don't know. This, That's the thing. Nobody knows. This is something again and again that you see in in some of these in some of these cases where people will have be pursuing one phenomenon and they'll have an experience in another phenomenon such as what you just described where you're out there looking for Bigfoot and all of a sudden you see some kind of fly or some kind of, well, I'll say UFO. I won't say flying saucer, but cause we don't know what that is either, but you know, it's, and then you hear that you hear that yelp coming from the woods. And so that's, it's interesting that you say that because I've heard that on more than one occasion, but in support of what you're saying as far as like the nomadic stuff, I've de- I've definitely thought about that because I mean that, in a way, makes sense because of just how much we as humans are really trespassing on and disturbing and destroying the habitats of just known animals, and how those animals pretty much have had to just you know go on the road so to speak be nomads i mean you look at like the mountain lions are showing up in places where they're not supposed to be absolutely so, so there's definitely this the, i could definitely see that and it would make sense too if we're dealing with something that is close to us on the human family tree or on the primatological family tree if we're dealing with that then it, it would tend to reason like you know our early ancestors were all hunter gatherers they were nomads essentially for thousands right. and thousands of years. I mean, we, we would be dealing with that. It's possibly we would be dealing with that with the, with these, these creatures. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, and that, like I said, that's the way I lean towards. Um, and, you know, there's other factors why I think that way, but again, you know, nobody knows. I, I, I would be floored if, if somebody were to come out and, you know, have some actual evidence that a Bigfoot can uh, be interdimensional. That would be, that would be insane. 
that would be the the I, I can't even imagine what scientists and, and biologists, what, what that would do to the whole, uh, I mean, everything, everything. Um, do I, do I tend to think that? No, I don't. I mean, maybe because I've never experienced it. Maybe I, you know, maybe I'll go out next week and I'll see something that, Oh crap, that changes my whole perspective on a, you know, a Bigfoot that could definitely happen. Hasn't happened yet though. Sure. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Well, I'm definitely interested in the in it being some kind of physical creature. I mean, I think that if I mean we, I don't. We talked about this kind of on the last show. If it does turn out to be if it some kind of physical creature and it turns out to be some kind of human relative, I think that that would be extremely interesting. That would be one of the biggest scientific discoveries in the past century. Easy. Here's no something doubt. related to that, um, kind of, you know, piggybacking off of uh, what Adam was saying. We've been talking about Bigfoot for the last, like, three episodes. Um, do you think there's any kind of concerted, organized effort to suppress information about Bigfoot by the authorities? Uh, see, see that that's something um, I won't get into. I've been asked that a lot, and... Um, I have my personal opinion on it. However, I don't think that would, uh, benefit, uh, the community by, by, you know, saying or agreeing or disagreeing with these conspiracy theories. I think that's something that, again, everybody can have their opinion on, but in the effort of Bigfoot research, I don't think that plays a, um, important role in, in anything that, um, I do anyway. I'm trying to find re- evidence about these these Bigfoot. You'd rather just stick to the facts and stick to the research instead of trying to like speculate well, on something like that. For for me, it it really, I mean, it doesn't matter if 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 the government is trying to cover up or or try to hide a Bigfoot or whatever whatever it may be. Um, that doesn't affect my research at all. I do it because I like doing it it's like camping on steroids and (laughs) you know i like that you know i like being in the woods and i love love nature i love you know seeing stuff i wouldn't see sitting on the couch so that's why i do it i don't you know if the government does is doing something whatever kind of skeevy with with the bigfoot you know whatever that's fine i just like it for the experience gotcha well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about your web series uh, about the um, in search of in search of big red eye. What inspired you to yeah. do this to do this series on YouTube? Uh, well, it, it's uh, my show is called In the Shadow of Big Red Eye, and uh, basically, what we were doing is is I was going on a lot of expeditions um, with myself and some friends and stuff, and. We had we brought equipment. We had night vision cameras and stuff. And uh, of course, as I research more and more into this possibility of a Bigfoot and uh, talk to witnesses more and whatever, I, I would very much w- watch every possible show that I could find about Bigfoot. And you know, they they I'll use finding Bigfoot for an example. Um, it's kind of like a perfect example. Uh, I'd like to preface this by saying like everybody in that show, Matt, Bobo, Cliff, Renee, they are all super serious, awesome people that are really, really into big footing. 
they 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 know what's up. They are the real deal when it comes to investigations and expeditions and stuff. They know what's up. Um, unfortunately, uh, kind of like a double-edged sword because the show is what got me into it, but the show also is kind of portrays Bigfooting in a different way than what it actually is. Um, though, for example, um, the thing that gets me the most about it is they will have a, uh, they say they picked up some audio of a Bigfoot call or, or what have you, and you're listening to it and they play music over <laughs> the the audio. And to me that that's like, okay, you know, TV shows are made to make money and they're made to have viewers. I get that. It's a business totally, you know, I'm totally understanding of that. So what I did was I got tired of seeing like these people, like the show portrays that they go out in the woods and they do Bigfoot calls constantly and then they always get something. They always get, you know, hear something or find something. And then the drama of like, you know, oh, what could it be? Whatever. And that's not what Bigfooting is. It's, it's, Bigfooting is about, kind of like I touched on before, is about going out into the woods and exploring nature, exploring something you wouldn't see sitting on your couch. So I wanted to make, I, I do have a, you know, a background in video editing. So I decided, you know, I'm going to make this show about what Bigfooting truly is. And you, you will see like anybody that watches my show, it's very, um, it's, it's filmed in an amateur kind of style. And, um, I've gotten some flack for that. Some people say it's not professional, whatever, but I, I did that on purpose because I want people to, to be able to kind of relate to, uh, going out and, and being able to do it themselves. Um, we will show setting up camp. We'll show uh, campfire chat and the funny stuff that happens at camp. You know, we'll show fishing. I like to go fishing. So you know what? I'm going to put it in the show. Maybe someone can relate to that. Uh, we also go to like local attractions and, and stuff. So if anybody is in that area, they can check out the local attractions. I mean, that, that not only you know, is, is a cool thing to do, but it boosts the local economy and, and they don't show that on, on TV. And what's cool about my show is I make every, I edit everything. So, you know, I, I produce the show, I film the show, I can put whatever I want in there. And I, I don't mean evidence wise, but I mean, I can make it the way I want to make it. If, if, you know, we went, say to this local hot dog shop that everybody knows about in town and we had a really good experience there well they got free advertising because i'm going to show it on there you know yeah, hopefully why, people yeah, go there and why not experience the same thing yeah i wouldn't worry about the people so, i mean i wouldn't worry about the people giving you flack about you know the professionalism oh, I, and you know, so like they they want everything to look like it does on tv it's just, well, and, you know, and, and it's, it's not when you're doing it, you, but you see, it's, it's the DIY aspect of it. You know, it's the same thing that we're doing here as, as podcasters, you know, with, yeah, you're doing no, something more uh, difficult I mean, than we're doing. I've gotten a lot of, you know, negative comments on uh, YouTube and, and, um, hate messages. They found my phone. Some people found my phone number somehow and they'll text me, which is really awkward and, and, uh, creepy to an extent. Um, yeah, a little bit, yeah. And, 
and you know they'll message our Facebook page and stuff, and and they they say all these you know things like oh you know that was a waste of my time and stuff, and and all the all this stuff they'll they'll pick apart anything, and you know what I'm okay with that because you know that just for me anyway the way I look at it is that you know uh, it's sad that that person whoever is is spewing these negative things. It's sad that that person actually has to type that out and take the time to to say something negative about something I've worked so hard on. And I would just hope that that person, you know, can find like some kind of happiness that they could just not have to be so negative all the time about. But, you know, (laughs) or better things to do with their lives. Well, you know, I get it. Some people are, you know. Uh, armchair warriors, especially in the big footing field, everybody has a, as a, you know, a, a something to say about everything. Um, but that doesn't let me, that doesn't stop me. If anything that, you know, that, that kind of gets me going, that gets me amped up a little bit and like, you know what, you're probably jealous that you didn't think of this or you didn't, you know, connect these two things or, or you're not able to produce a show like mine because maybe, you know, maybe you like it and you just want to be like, Oh, you took my, I don't know. But, you know, I, I don't let any negative comments get to I like the constructive criticism, to be honest. I think that's, that's you know, our show, my show is made for the fans. It's made for the viewers. Without the viewers, I wouldn't have a show. So, right, exactly. you know, any, anybody exactly. that, you know, sends, sends me information or like, hey, you got this wrong or, oh, that's a good connection you made. Like, that's what it's all about. I had the, the best thing I've gotten from this show is there was a there was a gentleman that uh, had messaged me privately, and he was he he said uh, to, you know to make a long story short I talked to this gentleman for a while I still talk to him uh, every once in a while but he he is um, used to be very big outdoors um, uh, you know hunter everything everything outside and he had recently had like an acute um, issue which left him disabled and unable to do the things that he used to like to do. Um, so he found my show and, and he sa- he says, you know, he wanted to thank me for being able to live his old life through my show. Hmm. And to me, that is the biggest compliment that, you know, to me making this whole, the, the thousands of hours I put into the show that one guy got that out of it. I'm happy. Yeah. It, it just made, you know, it's so special to me to be able to have that help somebody who might not be able to go outside themselves. It's, it's incredible. It's an incredible feeling. Yeah. We can totally relate to that. We yeah, really we can. Do, we really do it for the listeners. Mm-hmm. It depends with the people that you, that you, you never know who you're going to reach. You never know who you're going to touch out there. That's, that's the, yeah. that's kind of the, the reward that, uh, that we get out of the, out of doing this. So that, and it's, it's, it's fun. I, I love every, I love, you know, I, I said the hours that I put into the show and it's a lot. I mean, oh, I'm sure, you know, it's, we go you know, on a normal expedition. We're out there three nights. We come home with close to 500 gigabytes of film and audio. I'd say about, uh, close to, I mean, close to 40 hours or so of actual film. And we have to, you know, combine that down into one hour. So that takes a lot of time from, from start to finish, from the expedition uh, end date to the, the finished product of the show takes about a month. And we, we pump out about 10 episodes a season. So if you do the math, we only film, you know, <laughs> we, we just started filming this season and the first episode comes out the end of October. So if you do the math, 
it's it's going to be a busy couple months for me, but I don't mind it because you know, like I said, if it helps somebody or or it gets somebody into going outside instead of sitting on the couch, and hell, yeah, I did it. You know, that's that that's all that matters to me. Well, let's talk about some of the content, um, some of the places that you've gone. I mean, let's start off with Big Red Eye himself. Now, this this is one that I've I've never heard of, and I was also surprised at just how. I know about the Pine Barrens, but I was really surprised of how rural this area is that you're in in New Jersey. Yeah, people think of New Jersey and they think of, you know, um, cities and airports and pollution. And granted, that's a lot of it. I think um, of the Sopranos. That's what I think of. And that's the, yeah, yeah. Um, but what's, what's, What's really interesting is New Jersey has is the highest densely populated state. It's it's very packed, but it's packed near the urban centers. If you go out to the Pine Barrens per se, uh, you go to Wharton State Forest. The the average de- density population in New Jersey I think is twelve hundred people per square mile. I think or something like that. Um, and if you go down in the Pine Barrens, it's one person per square mile. Yeah, Pine so, Barrens is very yeah. desolate, very remote. It, it, people don't realize that. And, uh, like, up here in North Jersey, where I am, uh, you know, I think there's, I I want to say 56% of Sussex County is forest lands, like protected lands or wildlife management areas or something like that, where the, nobody lives. It's, um, you know, you look at a map and, and it's, it's really, you know, we have a mix of everything. We have cities, we have town, well, not cities, but we have, you know, pretty urban towns. And then you go out up into Pennsylvania, New York areas, and it's, it's in mountains, it's state parks and national parks. And it's, uh, it's amazing, really. There's a lot of, lot of, lot of places. People don't realize that. So big red eyes. But, uh, yeah. Big red eye that, um, that was back in the seventies. I, I believe it was 1972. Uh, there was a state park ranger that was patrolling high point state park, which is the northernmost uh, section of New Jersey. It's the armpit between Pennsylvania and New York. Um, and it's the highest point, obviously that's the name, but a state park uh, ranger was patrolling kind of down some of these areas. I, um, I don't know if he was walking or driving. I think he was, he got out of his car for some reason. And, uh, he was kind of looking around. I guess he, he might have saw something, so he got out of his vehicle looking around with a flashlight or whatever. And, um, you know, he he saw two uh, reflecting red eyes looking right back at him. And New Jersey, that was, New Jersey has had a history of sightings, but that was the first really public one that got a lot of attention. And all the newspapers covered it, and it was kind of like, you know, uh, New Jersey's Northwest Jersey's Bigfoot, and they named it Big Red Eye because that's that's you know literally what it was a big thing with red eyes. So so that's that's the history of the name um, you know uh, Big Red Eye. And so the thought of this is this is some kind of Bigfoot like creature. Yeah, um, all the. I can't say all of them, but uh, a large majority of the sightings in Sussex County, um, since I since I lived there, I, I have done a lot of research. I mean, I've done a lot in New Jersey, but I've really, I mean, I've I've 
made, you know, I have a map of every sighting in Sussex County and it's, you know, I, I have a list of interviews, personal interviews that I've talked to almost all of these people about, um, you know, ones that aren't published have been forgot about. I've, I've been able to find and, and talk to people, uh, mostly through word, word of mouth, which is great, but, uh, everybody describes seeing the same kind of creature, um, uh, seven to eight foot tall, uh, kind of upright bear bear like creature with with um shoulders no tail uh very human like face black, usually black hair there are some reports of like a maroon uh color up this way and some reports of a gray gray uh bigfoot also um and they they are uh, all universally the same which is lines with the the bigfoot of say Northern California and Washington state in that area okay. are very, very similar, uh, similar characteristics. And you're seeing the phenomenon where we were talking about how this, where they're moving in and out of the area that you, have you seen that in that, in that area that you have been the Sussex County area? That's yeah, yeah, on? absolutely. Um, What's super interesting is there's, uh, I'm not going to name the road, but there's a, um, a road in Sussex County that um, I'm sure the people that live in this area are, are going to know it, but um, Sussex County has a decent amount of Bigfoot sightings. It's the highest in the state. Um, and there, you know, especially with, with the research that I've done, there, there's this one road, I think it's 1.2 miles long or something like that. And it's, um, it's in a farm. It's surrounded by farms. It goes through, um, literally just farm fields and cows and, and pastures. And there's nothing else on this road for the whole length of it. And that road itself has had eight sightings, which is extremely crazy, um, considering, you know, the amount of sightings all over Sussex County, that is like, if you were to put a scatter plot, you know, of Sussex County, that would be bright red, which is super interesting because it's not in the woods. It's not in a state park. It's literally farms. And, you know, I don't know that, that just, they're all different, you know, different years. And it's interesting. It's it, but yeah, I've also seen the, the nomadic, you know, I can, I can draw you a map of where a Bigfoot's going to be. Uh, where they're going to and where they came from in Sussex County, absolutely. And do these migratory patterns that do they revolve around? I guess food. I mean, that's what they would traditionally revolve around, right? Yeah, I believe it's food. I, I believe the uh, Bigfoot have the same or a very similar diet to a black bear, so um, that would make sense that a um, a Bigfoot would eat, you know, mostly. Um, mostly grasses and plants and stuff like that. And then the occasional uh, deer or roadkill or whatever, whatever, whatever it may be. Yeah. You'd have to have so, for a creature that large, you'd have to have a good supply of protein. You have to have a good supply of meat and there's a lot of deer. Yeah. Sussex County does have a lot of deer. We also have the highest population, den- highest density po- population of black bear in the Northeast. So there's definitely enough food here to to sustain uh, a very high population of black bear. Therefore, I uh, you know I believe it would sustain a bigfoot. If you if you look at if you take the United States and you overlay a bear population map over a bigfoot sighting map, they're almost exactly the same. Um, if you want to go to a real extreme example, 
you take the state of Florida. In Florida, they have four different populations of black bear. They're they're only in certain areas of the state. And you overlay a Bigfoot sightings, it's exactly the same. There's four different pop, different areas of Bigfoot sightings, and they are exactly the same as bear sightings. Really interesting. That is interesting. I mean, it it kind of makes sense because we, I mean, that's in the natural world. I mean, you got different uh, predators competing for the same for the same niche, the same space. I wanted to ask you about seeing this eye shine or seeing these lights did you at some point i I watched a presentation that you did today where you talked about seeing like a red light and a blue and like some blue lights as well out out there in the woods yeah that was in the in the green swamp in florida and um i was uh, a green swamp is a huge area of um nothing there's just swamp and it's a big uh, hunting area but there's Literally, if you look at a map of Florida, it's just south of Ocala. The, the, it's, there's nothing there. It's really cool. One road runs through it. It's really neat. Um, but anyways, we were out, we were out there doing, uh, an overnight, I think it was a one, one or two overnights. And my buddy, Jimmy, who was with me on my, uh, initial expedition, we were out and we were, it was our last night and we were just, um, going at it. I mean, this was, this was like a, he describes it as like a no holds barred kind of night. We were doing howls, tree knocks, whoops. I mean, everything you can imagine to try to stir up some activity because we had none prior to that. And we were going at it every, you know, 10 feet, we would do a tree knock. Not, you know, not something that I normally do, but in that situation, because we didn't have any activity, I figured, eh, you know, what's it, what's it going to do? You know, might as well pull out all the stops and see if something happens. And it did. It was cool. Uh, so we were we were walking this trail in the middle of nowhere, and there was we turned this corner. Jimmy had this big spotlight thing, um, and we were just kind of shining it around every once in a while. And all of a sudden, he shines it, and I'm you know he ca- he he sees like these kind of like uh, I wouldn't call them glowing, but reflecting kind of things. It looked like almost like a signpost, you know, like they're like a reflective red and white thing or whatever. It, it got that and that caught our attention. And we, we, he shined the light back at it and it was a, there were uh, two sets of eyes. There was a, a set that was red kind of red, orange, uh, kind of oranger in the middle. And there was a set of blue eyes, which were, um, like aqua light blue, uh, almost whitish, but they had a definitely a blue tint to them. And, you know, that, that caught us off guard because we weren't thinking we were going to see anything. And, uh, anyway, long story short, um, we, we were watching them for quite some time. This was before I, I, I started filming the show, so I didn't have a camera with me, but I was watching them for, we were both watching them and saw them and, the 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 set of red eyes i believe that the set of red eye that turned towards the blue eye and you could see it in the light because one eye kind of disappeared and it moved a little the one you could see moved a little bit and then it 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 blinked and then turned back at us and then we were gone that was icing on the cake that that was you know we thought it was people because we didn't realize that people don't have eye shine at that point, you know, we were thinking about, you know, they were hunters at night, illegal hunters. We were thinking, you know, anything. And then 
uh, that happened, we were out of there. My buddy Jimmy marked the spot. He was smart before he started running. He kicked a rock in the middle of the trail we were on. And we, you know, hauled butt back to camp. And next day we went out there to do some, kind of do some, you know, measurements and see. My initial thought was that it was an owl, like two owls sitting on a branch. And uh, that's that's what we were seeing because there are, you know, a lot of owls in Florida. Um, so we went out to the spot and we saw exactly where we were standing and we saw exactly, we did one of those recreations where I walked out to where it was and, uh, it was, it was perfect. Uh, I, I held up two little red lights, uh, and he was able to space them apart. They were about, I'd say 10 inches apart from each other, both sets of eyes. And we were able to see exactly where it was standing or they were standing and there were no trees, no branches, anything like that. Um, besides like a palmetto bush, which I, I don't know if anybody's familiar with palmetto bushes, but they're, you know, they, they can't hold a mouse type of thing. Like there's no way an owl's going to, an owl's going to be able to sit on them. Yeah. And yeah. Th- that was, you know, that was it. That was, you know, it was, there was an indentation in the ground that, you know, the, the eyes were, when we saw them, we did, we did a measurement. The eyes were like five feet in the air, which definitely doesn't put it out of human possibility. But then at the same area that, that we saw the eyes, there's a, a, like a foot indentation in the ground that you could see that they were standing or kneeling in. And, you know, I, to this day, I can't explain what that was. Um, I'm not saying it was a Bigfoot because I don't know. I didn't see it myself. I couldn't see clear with, even with the light, we couldn't see anything, but it was just too far away with the light. But, um, we did see the eyes and, uh, you know, I did a lot of research on eye shine after that and, and nothing, there's, there's nothing that shines blue eye shine in the woods. Right. Red. Yes. There's a lot of stuff that's red, nothing blue. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, I would, if it was just me, I'd say like, Oh, uh, maybe I was seeing something, you know, maybe I, my eyes were playing tricks on me, but both of us saw it at the exact same time. I have all the audio of it. Uh, cause we did have a, um, a voice recorder going and it's just, it's, we saw it at the exact same time. It was there, something there. And I just don't, you know, we both to this day have no idea what it was. Well, that that's something that's come up again and again too, where people have seen these lights, are the eye shine? I mean, I think it's all just based on interpretation. But you think definitely that uh, at least the red was eye shine, and the blue. Well, I think the blue you can't was, explain. I, I think, I think the the blue was too, um, which which if it was that 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 means I can't explain it. Um, yeah. Just because you have two things standing right next to each other that have eyes that are ten inches apart, as per the recreation. I don't know, you know, they were obviously similar. They knew each other was there if they were two biological things standing next to each other. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I've, I've heard reports. Um, actually there's, it's not uncommon to see glowing blue eyes. Um, I've, I've spoke to a couple different witnesses that, that have reported that and they say that they're crazy because, you know, something blue in the woods i'm like yeah that's mm-hmm. not that's not unheard of um that that opens up a whole different you know door to 
Okay, so if they have different color eyes, what does that mean for like a species if they are, uh, you know, the same species or different species? Because normally, you know, one species has the same color eyes. So, you know, that that opens questions up. And then, you know, there's there's a big debate uh, I've I've come across that do Bigfoot do Bigfoot's eyes glow? in like glow from them from inside, like from their body, or do they reflect? And I think they reflect and people say, well, you know, I've seen them. I've seen, I glow where, you know, I'm not shining, nobody's shining a light at it. And I say, okay, that's fine. There's no, there's no primates that can do that. There's no mammals that can produce their own light. The only things that can are deep in the ocean or fireflies. Yeah. So there's no, there's no known animal that can do that. And on top of that, I think that the, the, the shine, I'm going to say shine because it shines back is the um, result from, I think they're very, they have very good night vision, which means that their eyes reflect extremely well. And I think that's, they, they take the ambient light from the sky and that's, that's how it, it comes across as I glow, but I think it's just the ambient light from the sky or wherever it may be, the cloud cover and whatever that they, they're able to absorb any ambient light and reflect that to make them, you know, ultimate night vision. Well, would it, that's my would it, I mean, would it be safe to say the possibility that, you know, Bigfoot could be a nocturnal animal? Oh, absolutely. Um, it would make sense. I think they're both. Yeah. I, I think they're both. I think, um, 60, 66% of sightings, happened uh, of a Bigfoot happened during the day. And that's actual visible, visible, visual sightings. Um, they happen during the day. So that means a majority of the sightings would be during the day. However, I think that number is very skewed because there aren't a lot of people in the woods at night. You need two things to have a Bigfoot sighting. You need to have Bigfoot and a person. And, you know, if you don't have people in the woods, they're not going to see a Bigfoot. So, so I think, yeah, they are out during the day, but I think at night is, is when you're going to see, you have the, have the ability to capture evidence of them, the, the best. No, I can't say that during the day would be evidence, but, um, at night would be when I believe they're the most active. I could see that. Let me, let me ask you this, uh, too. This is something that has come up a few times of the idea that these creatures could use some kind of infrasound to, because you, you will see what people will talk about how they'll be out in the woods and they'll experience being very uncomfortable or feel like something is watching them. You know, I've heard this, I've heard this again and again. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Yeah, it's, it's funny that you bring that up. Um, we're actually going to be releasing a video uh, in the next, I don't know, week or so um, of me experiencing the exact thing that you're talking about. I was filming uh, a solo hike and I was, I was going to make it into like a, um, I don't know, like a, a Squatchables, which is another sub-series of uh, In the Shadow of Big Red Eye. Um, but I, I was filming for that and it was just me and I was, you know, I was just talking and filming, I don't know. Uh, and then I get to this one point of this trail that I've been on, uh, God, hundreds of times, I, not hundreds, but I've been on it a lot. I, I, I can do the trail in the dark. I know exactly where everything is and I do it solo a lot cause it's very close by my residence. And it, you know, one thing just to, just to say, 
I am okay being in the woods by myself. I do solo camping, solo hiking. I actually enjoy that a lot. Um, so being in the woods at night doesn't give me the, doesn't give me the heebie-jeebies at all. Used to, but it doesn't anymore. Yeah, for a guy that wasn't very experienced with it a few years ago, you, you you've come a long way with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and it's cool. Just on a side note, too, is like, you know, if people don't want to get into Bigfooting and, you know, because because of whatever reason, like you could totally like get into other stuff, too. Like I, I got into survival stuff a lot. Like like I, I can make a fire with, you know, stuff that's in my pockets right now and like two sticks and stuff like that. And I could like, you know, filter water with nothing. It's, it's that that kind of aspect is cool to me. Um, you know, I, I may be on naked afraid i have an application out so I'm, i don't know um anyways but yeah we're rooting for you man <laughs> well yeah I, yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting if i get on that people are gonna see a side of me that they sure as hell don't want to see it'll be pixelated um, don't worry about it <laughs> it'll be like yeah cops. i have a joke that i i I have a joke that I would add in right now, but I don't think it's it's quite appropriate, so I'm going to leave that one out. This is an um, adult show. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe well, you'll have some say, assistance I mean, from Bigfoot. I don't think I'm going to get on Naked and Afraid because they're going to have to. They're going to have to. You know, uh, Google um, you. The, the, no, the, the the guy that does the pixelation, the blur guy, he's going to be getting too much overtime. I don't oh, think that you know. I don't, oh yeah, <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> No, you got to leave that in. Sorry. Hey, uh, yeah, they might be afraid Bigfoot might help you out too much, too. Just leave little scraps of meat and berries for mm-hmm. you. You know, he'll do all the work. Got Bigfoot <laughs> on your side. But we were talking um, about we were talking about infrasound there. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was um, I was filming, and you know, I got to this point in the woods about a mile down the trail. And this was going to be, I was going to do a loop hike uh, at about seven miles. So I was, I was relatively just getting into it and I had some things I wanted to say. So I was filming, uh, before I forgot about them and you, you know, you could see it on the video and I just, something happens to me and I didn't get any physical feelings. It was all is there. It, it was like, I passed into a door, passed through a door that, Something, everything changed. I was so comfortable walking out there and everything was cool. And then boom, something happened. And I got like the hair stood up on the back of my neck. I was like, Oh, you know, I just passed something and something doesn't want me here. What's really interesting is, is you see on the video and I noticed this while I was filming and I actually show it right at the point that I, I, get that feeling. I look around and, you know, I have my light on because I'm scared and I, I have my light on, I'm looking around and there is a definitely a tree break that is, is right next to me next to the trail that I know for a fact was not there. The last time I was there about a week and a half, two weeks prior to that, probably a week and a half. So I don't know, you know, now, People do say they get zapped, if you will. I know I have a good friend who comes out with us all the time, Kevin. He he has gotten zapped before. I I've never gotten zapped, so I don't know. I don't know what it is or or how they do it. Um, I I will say, unlike the bioluminescence and the glowing eyes, I, I will say it is possible that Bigfoot have a certain 
um, I wouldn't say power. I, I would say it's more of a frequency that we can't hear that is designed to um, intimidate or stun prey uh, because that, that, um, that is known in the primate community. Primates do, uh, you know, have that ability same way with, uh, with uh, marine life has that ability. And I believe tigers do as well. So I, I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility. I've never experienced it though. Interesting. That I wonder which ones do that because I've I've not heard I've not heard that. Is that I mean is that in the great apes family or is that more like monkeys that do that? No, I believe it's the great apes. I'd, I'd have to um, don't quote me on it. I have to I'd have to look it up. But I yeah. believe when I was was looking up that uh, doing some research about it, there are examples of uh, great apes having that ability. Hmm. Yeah, see that that's that's a fast that's a fascinating thing, and that's that's another thing that's in that that kind of fine line between are we dealing with something that's supernatural, or are we dealing with something that's physical? Because there is that explanation yeah, with the infrasound that that could be what it is, and it gives you the feeling that that you're dealing with something supernatural, but it actually isn't. It's just a special ability that these creatures have, or we could be dealing with something that is that is supernatural. I wanted to hit on this uh, before we let you go, which is, uh, I thought this was a funny one. When you went down to investigate the Ocala skunk ape, uh, did you actually get to yeah. investigate this, or uh, did you just get to run around? <laughs> we drove, um, in total, that trip, I think we drove 2,400 miles, and I, I don't even know how many hours. I think it was close to 30 hours. Um, probably 35 hours, I think it was, to uh, go down there and to film this amazing, um, amazing episode uh, in Ocala. I've been there before. It's it's a great, it's a hot spot. I was seeing my seeing my uh, old friends that that lived down in Florida. For, you know, from when I lived down there, and it was going to be this trip that was going to be awesome, and it was not awesome. <laughs> It was, I mean, I, I would do it again just because, you know, I like road trips, but this, this thing, you know, I like to have everything planned out ahead of time with these, like, you know, with logistics and how these expeditions are going to work, especially with the show, if we have witnesses and we have to be somewhere at a certain time, uh, this trip was just, I mean, issue after issue after issue and and for for those of you who aren't familiar with the episode go ahead and you know take a look at it it's um it's uh in season three it's the uh ocala episode and you know finally we 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 were able to set up a spot and we did we did research uh we didn't go far we researched right around camp um and you know i think we did two hours because I I was not I was running on zero sleep for like two days at that point and the Red Bull had finally wore off and I didn't have any more and it was it was just a you know I my body just crashed after that and uh what's really interesting about that through all that you know headache and and everything that that happened that trip we ended up to getting some really good evidence, not of a Bigfoot, but of another very endangered species that lives in Florida. It's and and 
that just goes to show you, it doesn't matter how much time you put in the woods and, or how much, you know, where you go to, you just gotta be, you know, it turns out and I hate to say it, but to get good evidence, you gotta be at the right place at the right time and have a whole lot of luck on your side. And we did that episode. It was really cool. Yeah. I really like your emphasis on getting out and doing the work. Um, yeah. It translates into other stuff that we're interested in. And I'm always talking about too, of just like getting outside and, and uh, exploring the world and things will come to you in the actual physical world uh, in ways that they won't by just being an armchair researcher, you know? You know, and not only that, it's, it's, it's great to see and see stuff and, and experience things, you know, you know, these state parks have some amazing yeah. areas oh, yeah, in them. Great. Mm-hmm. But for me also, it, it has a therapeutic effect on, on me because like, and, and, you know, I mentioned going solo, uh, going hiking solo and camping solo it really, there's, there's a study out that shows if you spend time in nature, you're, you know, you're a happier person. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think the benefits of one being self-sufficient and, uh, two, you know, overcoming your fear of, of whatever you may have of, of either spiders or the dark or, or whatever, you know, exposing yourself to, to that. And, and, and like I said, being self-sufficient and it just, there's, there's no negative thing about it unless you get like, you know, attacked by a bear or something. There's no negative thing about of exploring nature. It's, it's just remarkable. There's so much. And like I said before, you know, this is into survivalists or fishing or, or trapping hunting. There's so much stuff you can do outside. Go hula hooping. I don't know. Just do it outside, you know, get away from the computer and the TV for a little bit and, and breathe in some fresh air and, and just, you know, enjoy. A lot of people don't do that anymore. A lot of people have, have lost touch with what true enjoyment really is. Yeah, get their get their faces out of the phone and start doing, go to a place where, like, you don't get a signal so you don't have to use your phone anymore. That is one of the things that when, when I look for a place to camp or for an expedition, I don't look for sightings, uh, past sightings. I don't look for a history of sightings. I don't look for any of that. I look for no cell phone service and I look for a good habitat of Bigfoot. I look for where there's going to be black bear. I look for where there's food, water, and shelter. But the big thing I look for is if there's cell phone service there, I don't want to be there. Not because of anything Bigfoot related, but when I'm in the woods, I don't want to be bothered by people. That's what I, that's what, that's one of the main reasons why I go out in the woods is to get away from people, you know, not, not obviously the people that I, that I go with and stuff. That's, that's a whole different story, but, you know, emails and even, even with this show, like, yeah, we'll be filming the show, but I put a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of time that goes into the show and, you know, promotions. I, I'm not going to get into how much time, but there's a lot of, I, I, I'm, I do stuff all the time. Even when I'm not working on the show, I'm working on the show type of thing. And, you know, just to get away from that, even though we're filming it and doing everything for the show, not to have to worry about it for a while. That is just, that's what makes the trip for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we need to come out there with you. Yeah. We've hey, never been on a, in, yeah, we've never been on a Bigfoot uh, expedition before. We're totally down. Where are you guys located out of? We're in Tennessee. We're in Nashville. Oh, okay. That's we'll, we'll talk privately because we have an expedition coming up down that way. Do you really? Okay. Okay. All right. I did want to add in that Ocala episode that at least you did get to go to South of the border. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
yeah. It, you know, it's funny because because I made a joke um, that that you know did we go into Mexico? I was asleep in the back seat, and I really didn't know where we were. So when I got out of the car and I saw this stuff, like I knew I'd been to South of the border before, but I was like, how long was I asleep for? Like, where, did we make a wrong turn? Like, where are we? I think Mexico's Chupacabra territory, man. I don't think they can cross yeah, yeah, over. I said, I'm like, oh, we're going to have to chuck the Bigfoot and it'll be a Chupacabra in the shadow of Chupacabra. I'll do yeah, it. Yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, and I've never been here, I've never been there, but apparently south of the border is this place that's on the border between North Carolina and South Carolina, and it's a Mexican-themed place, and like the um, the mascot there is named Pedro, and apparently it's a, it's a horrible place. It's 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 a terrible terrible place. And yes. the only reason why I say that, no, I'm saying, the only reason why I say that is for people that have not driven the corridor that corridor of I-95, there are signs, uh, billboards. They start at over 200 miles in each way from south of the border. And every mile, there's a sign. And you really get hyped up about it because these signs are pretty funny. And then it's like, oh, man, i got to stop there. And you stop there, and it's like, wow, this place sucks. Yeah, it's one of those places, apparently, that as I've been told, and I've never been there, but apparently you have to pay to use the bathroom. Oh wow! It is. It is a place like that. Yeah, it's the ultimate. Yeah, toll. I, I've not gone to the bathroom there, but um, <laughs> you know, I will say it. You know, you pay a quarter. I have had. <laughs> I I had had the the uh, the Mexican food from there just because. Well, you kind of have to. They don't have anything else. Yeah. But um, you know, pay, paying for the bathroom is definitely um. That's a that's a good business strategy after eating that food. Oh shit! <laughs> and apparently, there's a sign as you go, as you leave it from South Carolina. It's like something like Pedro is sad that you're leaving, or Pedro is sad that you didn't stop at south of the border, and he's crying. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> our friend, uh, our friend Heather would love this because she's a she's a, a good friend of our show and a former coworker of mine, and she is the one that actually told me about this. So shout out to her. But uh, yeah, we're looking at pictures of it right now. Wow, that's but, great. But Mike, uh, if you could tell us, uh, tell the audience where they can contact you, where they can see In the Shadow of Big Red Eye, and uh, all that good stuff, uh, subscribe to your YouTube channel as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I appreciate the the, uh, the chance to do that. Our YouTube channel is, uh, the channel itself is called Sussex County Bigfoot. And uh, please subscribe to that. Uh, I, I do want to. I do want to. You know, make a point that I'm not trying to get famous doing this. Like, it's not. It's not my goal to to be a TV star or wherever the show brings. I'm, I'm not opposed to it, but I'm not. You know, I'm, it's not why I made this show. Um, but each subscription does help. And if you could share it, and and you know, anybody that's that's into bigfooting and and funny stuff, um, you know, that that's what we do. And I, you know, the reason behind getting the subscriptions is the simple fact that the more subscribers I get, the more money that I, you know, I, I can start accumulating, you know, through, through monetization, um, money from, from the show. And that goes to just, you know, I'm just going to use that money to make a better show for you guys. Like I said, it's all about the fans. Um, so, so please subscribe and share and, 
we do have an Instagram, uh, Shadow of Red Eye. You can follow us on there. Um, our Facebook page is uh, In the Shadow of Big Red Eye. Um, you can like that and kind of see some like behind the scenes things that don't get posted to um, to YouTube and our, our upcoming events and stuff like that. And Finally, uh, we do have a, uh, some items, some merchandise that we have for sale. Uh, again, I don't make, I, I, I lose a lot of money doing this show and I don't mind it cause I love it, but, uh, I don't make any money ever. And what's cool about this is, is we do have t-shirts, hats, DVDs and stuff for sale. And they, they're, they're reasonably priced, but they, they are marked up a little bit. Uh, so, so I do make a little bit of money, but I, in the end, at the end of the year, um, the profits, a certain, uh, percentage of the profits that we sell, um, are donated to a local, local animal hospital and a rescue because that, that, you know, it's about giving back to, for me, it's, it's not about making money. It's about, you know, helping others in need. And you can see that that's pretty evident through the show and, um, any, any purchase that you buy, it's not, you know, um, we don't take the profits at the end of the year because there are none. We take, you know, from each sale, their percentage goes to, to this local animal shelter. So, so you're directly helping, um, some of the animals up here in North Jersey and, um, when you get a cool shirt or hat or DVD out of it too. Well, excellent. Excellent. It all goes to a good cause. Okay. So that was good. Um, Mike, stay on the line for us. We're going to close this section out and guys, we'll be back to close out the show with a few announcements on Conspiranormal. Well, I noticed that you've been listening to your ways to achieve success and that you're starting your Fortune 500 company. Yeah, I'm trying to hypnotize myself into success. So, we've got a sponsor called, you may have heard of it, called ZipRecruiter. No, I've never heard and of it. And you can further hypnotize yourself into success. And if you want to help us and help the show and ZipRecruiter... On behalf of our partner, ZipRecruiter, here's why ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience and actively invites them to apply to your job so you get quality, qualified candidates fast. It's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. Thus, rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, if you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Conspiranormal, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Conspiranormal. And keep listening to your self-help records. Hey, that was pretty cool, man. I think... Uh, yeah. We could do that. Can you do some back masking? Yeah, of course. All right. So, ZipRecruiter.com slash Conspiranormal, guys. Check it out. now, back to the show. I'm conjuring Bigfoot right now. I'm going to get... 
I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get him in here right at this point. So um, interesting interview. Oh, yeah. like I said, I did not purposefully set this up this way to where we had two Bigfoot shows, but I think it's interesting that they kind of oh, yeah. matched each other. Really cool. That was really cool. I think you know, he he definitely, definitely Bigfoot for a while. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, th- I think I'm done <laughs> I think a little we bit have with to it. Cut yeah. It off there. yeah, I think I'm done just a little bit, of it, but it's so popular right now. Oh yeah, it's it's cracking. I mean, it's I mean, it is. I mean, and and, and like I said, and the, the reason I asked the question about whether finding Bigfoot was done or if it wasn't then it, it you know it's been done for a little while now but it's like the the bigfoot stuff oh my god you think that was the catalyst for this new wave right now yeah oh yeah bigfoot. absolutely absolutely i mean people are super into it and it's almost like bigfoot has become this totem now mm-hmm. for people for like it's like that is the that is like the spirit animal yeah of the united states yeah is bigfoot yeah yeah. People believe in this creature, and I think that it manifests itself. And, you know, and, and and Mike brought some good points up as far as like there being a physical manifestation of Bigfoot. It's just like the other weird stuff that is associated with Bigfoot. It, there's just too much of it for me to say that it's not some kind of. Well, I think with the more materialist spiritual thing, yeah, with the more materialist people, um, when they talk about the physical aspects that doesn't i mean if it is some kind of paranormal phenomenon then it it will manifest physical things just like a poltergeist just like the alien phenomenon just like whatever right we were talking about this whole concept of apports and the whole like um the implants yeah for in, in the alien abduction phenomenon of that being some kind of apport and you see that in the fairy lore as well um, or there's, these pieces of weird metal for the alien stuff, or yes. you know, objects. But in the Bigfoot case, things like footprints, things like mm-hmm. uh, you know the, the rocks being thrown, or whatever. I mean, it's the it, it's very similar. And the, this whole idea, of like where the footprints end, which uh, you may see that that come up in a future book at some point but not the physical, we're writing. The, the the physicality and materialism needs to be studied because that I mean, that helps the whole thing but yeah. i just don't think that's where it ultimately ends let's switch gears just a little bit well, let's talk about this jeffrey epstein thing real real quick oh i think this is pretty interesting yeah it's going down back when we were looking into the whole pizzagate phenomenon and all this that was going on, and now you've got this whole QAnon thing that's happening. I mentioned Jeffrey Epstein yes, as being a real case where children, in this case underage teenage girls, were being basically prostituted. And that all came into big public attention with those two Vanity Fair articles right in 2016. Okay. Because of his Trump connections. Yeah. Yeah. So... Now we've got an interesting phenomenon going on where the conservative media are really hopping up the whole Bill Clinton connection Clinton to Epstein, right? And you've got the more liberal media that are hopping on the whole Trump connection to Epstein. And as far as I can tell, both were actually connected to him. Yeah, absolutely. 
So is there anything that you want to add to that? Because I see that you're looking it up here. Uh, no, it's just, it's real interesting that uh, this is finally going to see the light of day and that there is potentially a lot of information that's going to be released, which could implicate people. In We also have been pretty sober about, you know, in, in criticizing, uh, especially the extreme right wing and just throwing around pedophilia like it's no big deal to just accuse someone of that, you know? Right. But, um... Now, I mean, with with all this coming out, though, it's it's really hard to to not want to implicate people in some way just from the evidence of like writing the Lolita Express, like that is a fact. Yeah, uh, that both Bill and Hillary Clinton, right, have wrote the Lolita Express multiple times, and what was going on there other times. So there's no obviously there's no proof, but I mean, come on, dude, it's like. Well, didn't it in 2002 Trump say that uh, Epstein had... Oh, they have similar taste in women. Had, I can, they I had similar that. taste yeah, in women or that. something like that. It's very, very odd quote that he that he said back then. I don't really know. Oh, well, here's six hours ago. Uh, well, I'm looking for this. Despite having praised Epstein, Trump now says he, quote, wasn't a fan from MSNBC. Oh, really? <laughs> even yeah. though uh he once called him a terrific guy well there's this there's this lawsuit that was actually dropped in 2016 that was put out by someone named jane doe yeah that was one of these young girls that claimed that trump raped her yeah and that apparently was dropped because this girl feared for basically fear for her life, fear for her safety, as I understand it. Yeah. But, you know, this is something that, you know, when I say this, people are going to say, well, that's just the liberal media saying that. And they're going to go get, get all up in ours. But there are court documents that that state this. Well, yeah. And here's the 2002 quote, uh, Trump, that uh, Epstein likes beautiful women as much as I do. And many of them are on the younger side. Uh huh. Yeah, that's uh, man. It's gonna you know this is the whole thing with this whole QAnon stuff right now, is where they're talking about how they're gonna get all the the people that are on the Democratic side and they're gonna get them all for pedophilia. That's the QAnon is this outgrowth of PizzaGate. Yeah, yeah. And they're gonna they're gonna do all this, but but I made the point then. I'll make the point now that Trump was just as associated with epstein and he was associated with the clintons back in the early 2000s it, and the late 90s and it makes the whole thing look really strange that this meme of this organized pedophilia in high places really like picks up it i mean epstein was probably the 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 juiciest um piece of that entire meme that got started yeah, I mean, the, with the most actual evidence and actual documentation, actual court records. Well, some of it was ignored, though, I think. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and I think strategically ignored by people that are on the conservative or the right wing camp or on this now this QAnon camp. An interesting thing that happened over uh, the 4th of July, apparently, and, and this is just bizarre. QAnon people were saying that uh, JFK Jr. was supposed to come back and uh, he was going to reveal everything and he was going to be Trump's running mate in 2020. That Trump was going to drop Pence and uh, put the reanimated 
JFK Jr. in his place. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it just, you know, brain matter just uh, comes out of your ears on this one. So, uh, we have an announcement. And unless you guys have not been listening to the show in a while, you have probably noticed that Rob has not been involved. And we have pretty much... Studio B is now Studio A. It's the only <laughs> studio at the moment. Uh, Rob has, I think, severely limited his involvement in the show. And he is uh, not going to be a part of it from the day-to-day kind of like episode-to-episode conspiranormal. Right. But he still is part of family. certain things in the family. Yeah. He's part of certain things that we have going on that we're going to be revealing here in the very near future that uh, we've got something that we're, we're putting together. And at the moment, I'm not going to talk too much about it. There are some people that are of certain of our fans that know, but uh, we're going to be revealing that in the coming weeks about what we're going to be doing. And he's been, he's going to be a big part of that. And uh, also he's going to be back for things like episode 300, which I'm kind of uh, putting together an idea of what we're going to do. Because this is episode 270, and we've got 30 more Shit. episodes left until the big 300. So I just, uh, you know, Rob, he has been a big part of this show. He basically saved this show for me back all the way up back in like episode 60 when Alyssa, his girlfriend, which you probably heard on the show if you listen to the back catalog he she suggested him coming in being the producer of the show and rob put in a good four years and got the show pretty much where it needed to be pro style and we're really hoping at some point that yeah he's going to come back but uh for now it's just me and serfiel i think at this point you guys have been used to this because this is this is how it's been yeah for the last few episodes so going forward, Serfiel has been doing it, and he's been doing a good job. And I'm not talking about like the good job, like you know George W. Bush told the FEMA director back in 2005, "You're doing a good job." You know, I'm not talk- I'm not saying that. I'm saying you're doing you do you've been doing a really good job, and uh, you know, taking over to- the producer credits, taking over the co-host slot. I'm just trying to fill those shoes, man. Yeah, fill- I mean, it's been hard to fill Luke's shoes, I know, but yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, but really, you know, trying to fill Rob's shoes with the production. It's been a little bit of a learning curve. So thanks, any, you know, everyone who's been uh, hanging in there. Yeah. It gets a little raw at times. You know, I kind of got to throw this together every week. I'm really able to, to uh, respect what Rob did, just trying to fill those shoes. But uh, yeah, it's kind of weird, man. It's kind of feeling like those pictures of Stalin. Where, like, you have, like, Trotsky and other guys all hanging out. Then, like, the next yeah. picture, one of them's gone. The next picture, one of them's gone. Well, this and is the thing. You, you know? Well, this is the thing. I mean, it's been I mean, it's been a ride. I mean, I when I first started, it was myself and Luke and a guy named Chris. Then, then that guy dropped out, and then it was me and Luke for a while. Then it was just me for about ten episodes. And then it was, uh, then Luke came back, um, Rob joined us around about the, around sometime in like the episode 60 to 61 or something like that. 
And uh, it was uh, me, Luke, and Rob for quite a long time till Luke left again. And then um, it was myself and Rob. And then we added you in at the beginning of last year. And now Rob isn't going to be isn't going to be here as much anymore. I mean, he may come back at at certain points, but uh, you know he's still part of the family. He still gets kind of like a I think to me like a executive producer credit in some ways. So it's just you know this is the way things go. Yeah. And uh, but uh, you guys are stuck with us now. So yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe one little... day I'll disappear and just hand it all over to. <laughs> no. <Sarah>. No. no. <laughs> Well, we can make a little montage, maybe the greatest Rob moments. <laughs> and like put some inspirational music in the background. Yeah, know. yeah. Funeral, funeral march or something. Yeah, the the dirge. All right, guys. Well, you know, send Rob some love out there. You know, find him on Facebook. Send him some love. Tell him that you miss him. Tell him that you love him. All right, guys. Well, okay. So now, Sergio. Pull some uh, new thought magic on the uh, listeners out there for where they can, how they can support our show. Well, people like supporting Conspiracy Normal in a variety of ways. Some do. Some like supporting us on Patreon and becoming patrons and giving us a monthly reoccurring donation at patreon.com slash normal. Now, some may want to just give a one-time donation to conspiranormal.com. Others such as yourself may find their own special way to contribute and support and help Conspiranormal in the work that we do. Yes, indeedy. All right. Yeah. So we got to follow the on, my friend. Okay. Well, guys, uh, we're going to be switching gears next week. We're going to be talking about the mad world of multi-level marketing. This is going to yeah. be rather different, but uh, it will be... Still in the conspiranormal world. So, guys, join us next time on Conspiranormal. book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.